Smartcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. To get up and get going, South Coast, it's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang, it's Tim Weisberg. Welcome back in our number two of the program here on Wednesday morning. And coming up later on, South Coast Now, Chris McCarthy, Marcus Farrell, they're going to dive even deeper into the preliminary election results. And uh, they'll also have Mayor Mitchell on later. And I know there's been some people who have been questioning why the mayor still comes on WBSM during election season, why City Council President Linda Morad and the other counselors who join her Still come on WBSM during the election season. And first of all, we are obviously the place that people want to go to, candidates want to go to for debate, discussion, for reaching out to the audience. And as such, now that we are getting toward the general election, yes, we will have debates here on WBSM. We will have discussions here on WBSM. We will have the candidates on, as Chris and Marcus have been doing. They will continue doing so. Now, the difference is when Mayor Mitchell comes on on Wednesdays, when Council President Linda Morad comes on on Fridays and the other councilors, they're coming on in their capacity as city officials to discuss things that happened in the city either that happened in the week of the past or what is coming up. That is not considered campaigning. That is not any violation of campaign rules. And for people who say, well, that's giving the incumbent an unfair advantage. Well, the incumbent has an unfair advantage then to be able to comment on things that are going on in the city while they are an elected city official. The bottom line is Unless they are coming on and saying, and that's why you should vote for me and talking about their campaign and what they're going to do differently than their opponent, it's not campaigning. Therefore, there is no need to offer equal time. They are on in their capacity as an elected official. So there's no controversy there. There's no reason to think that it's an unfair advantage. This happens all the time. Just because in the past we haven't done it that way, we don't have to do it that way. Council President Moore had asked me, should I not come on during 
the election season. And I said, no, you can continue to come on unless, you know, obviously don't campaign on the air. You're here just to talk about what went on in city business. And the same with Mayor Mitchell. And I don't think she'll mind me saying she said that if Mayor Mitchell says he's not going to come on, she wouldn't come on either because it didn't seem right for one one side to come, you know, one branch of the government to come on and not the other. Or one to come, yeah. But unless it's a campaign appearance, there's no equal time issue. And we, we, we WBSM, and myself and Chris and Marcus talked about it. We talked about it with Michael Rock, who is the director of content. And we've all decided that we want those segments to continue because it's important that the people hear about those issues rather than have those counselors and the mayor not come on the radio and comment on anything that's going on in the city for two months. So I just want you to understand why we do it the way that we do it. And if other hosts don't like the way that we do it, if callers don't like the way that we do it, well, sorry. But that's what we're doing. Discussions were had, decisions were made, and that's what we decided was best for you, the listeners, and you, the people of the city. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Morning. How you doing? Good. <clears throat> um, I don't have anything to talk about immigration with you today, so hopefully we don't argue with each other. <laughs> well, what what you have for dinner last night? Yeah. Uh, oh, you know what I had? Oh, yeah, oh long story, but... Um, my starter on my truck's been crap in the bed lately. I don't know. Sorry. So I've been having to whack it with a hammer every time in the morning to start it, so I decided last night was the night I was going to fix it. So I ended up getting under the truck, and, you know, my, my truck's not old, man. It's, it's like a 2015, you know. It's only eight years old. But it's got low mileage, too. It's only got about 76,000 miles on it. Yeah, but starters only have so many turns in them before That's they die. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and I, have, and I have a remote start on my, on my truck, so it's like, you know what I mean? I heard that's pretty bad for the starter, too. If you keep, you know, every morning your remote start in your car, you know, your truck or whatever. But anyways, uh, yesterday I, I kind of, I briefly discussed with um, Chris yesterday. Um, I'm only going to say Chris because Marcus was very quiet yesterday. I think he was just pushing the buttons yesterday, answering the phones. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I mentioned with Chris, I was talking to him, and, you know, I told him yesterday, I said, this, this you know, the culture of, of elections and voting, I believe, starts in the home. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I, I, my parents voted every election they could. You know what I mean? Every election that they, you know, they could vote, they voted. And that's the way I was brought up, and that's the way I, that's the way I am. And that's the way I'm bringing my kids up. They know how passionate I am about politics. And, I, and my wife does, too, you know, and she votes. You know, and she never voted in her life until she married me. And then I started getting her to vote, you know what I mean? So it was like, it's like, you know, uh, anyways, I, I, I drive around a, a lot, you know, in, in, in my work truck. And you know, I drive through, you know, little towns and cities and stuff all day, every day. And I see a lot of times around this time of year, I see a lot of election banners that go around, you know, across the streets. And I see, especially in small little towns. You know what I mean? I see a lot of that. Go, you know, special pro uh, preliminary, preliminary election or whatever. You know, go vote this and that. How come the city doesn't do any of that to get the promotion of voting? They, I mean, you know there's I mean? there's signs. I know that um, you know, I bowl at Wonder Bowl, and they had one of those digital signs over um, over there uh, in the corner there of um, 
Shamanev, and that was reminding people that the election was coming up. And they, ha- I know they had that during the Ward Three special election too, because that's that's Ward Three. So I've seen that. I I know I've seen them in a couple of other places as well. So at least you know there's one thing there that helps. You don't. You, I mean, um, like like let's say let's take like the busiest section of you know New Bedford. Let's say a Cushionette Avenue, for instance, right? And you were to strap a banner going across you know Route 18, a Cushionette Avenue, that intersection right there, right, Cogswell Street. You were to strap a banner that goes all the way across eye level, not eye level, obviously. Well, that's a but. that's a state road, so they they can't do that. So Cogswell Street's a state road, or oh, you said route, you said across Route 18. Yeah, like yeah, like that intersection right there. You know what I mean? Like that Cogswell Street, a Cushionette mm-hmm. Avenue intersection, right next to Route 18. Like if they would have put a banner there. You know, that wouldn't grab. I mean, that would grab my attention. I'd be like, "Oh yeah, that's right." You know what I mean? It's, it's time to vote. You know what I mean? Well, I know, and I know that they do robocalls, but robocalls yeah. are, are an iffy prospect because how many people answer the phone these days? Exactly. And then when Especially they get the voicemail, people. the robocall starts in the middle of the call because it starts the minute it picks up and doesn't take into account the the voicemail and so I, the the greeting rather. And so you were like, "What is this all about?" Delete. Yeah, I don't know about you, but I when I see a you know. Now with these new phones nowadays, that even even if it comes up as a, you know, a number that you don't even know, it has a name underneath it. Spam. Or, I think I think it comes up as or, I think it comes up as City of New Bedford. All right. Well, yeah. Oh, there you go. But I, I mean, other than that, hey. But also, I, I who, who that, are they robocalling? Landlines? People with landlines are you know older folks who already know to go out I, and vote. I, I, I already hey, don't 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 do that. Okay, because I have a landline still. No, but I'm saying a majority of people that have it are older folks that already I go know, out and I vote know. in elections. Yeah, I know. I, I, I it's true. I You're know. not getting the younger generation to get out there and vote. They they don't have landlines, or if they do, they're not home answering them. They're out yeah, working. And, um, and you know, I, I know I noticed a few callers yesterday during Chris and Marcus's segment. I, you know, they were saying you know a lot of the you know it's a lot of the older generations that vote. You know what I mean? The, the, the younger generations don't vote. I mean, I'm I'm 32 years old. You know what I mean? I, I, I've been voting since I was 18 years old. You know what I mean? Since I could vote. You know, it's, that's just, but that's the thing, though. Like I said earlier, it's all about how you were brought up. If you were brought up in a, in a, in a, in a household where, you know, politics wasn't really a big thing and your parents didn't vote, then you're not going to vote. You're not just naturally not going to think about it. You know what I mean? Or you're not even going to realize you have to register to vote. When, you know, when you're 18 years old, you've got to register to vote with the town or the city. You know, it's, some people don't even realize that, you know. Well, I mean, they do. They do usually send out a mailer for people that are turning eighteen. Um, yeah. Of course, you. I'm. I'm sure, just like me, you registered with Selective Service when you turned eighteen um, as something you have to do. And then Gillette sent you the free razor in the mail as a result. But you know that right. also makes people aware of of the fact that you can vote. You can go with you know the motor voter bill allows you to go and register at the at the RMV. So there's there's ways that they get it out to the younger people. I think the difference is you just don't care about that stuff when you're younger, and you just naturally as you get older you start to say, hey, I want to have some say in what's going on here, and then you become more politically inclined. Some people are just like that from from a young age. I was. Because I enjoyed studying it in school, my parents didn't vote in every municipal election, but they would vote in the presidential election and the you know the bigger state elections. And right. I I didn't vote with them because I was I would go out and work the polls, uh, not work the polls, but I would deliver lunch to the polls at the restaurant that I worked at. So I would usually vote when uh, I would go and drop off the lunch. I'd say, hey, hold on one second to to my boss. I'm just going to go over and vote. And then he did the same at his precinct. And then the only time that I didn't do that was the 2000 election. 
because that was so busy the whole day that the line was too long for me to vote then. We had more sandwiches to deliver. And so I went back with my parents that night. We waited two hours to be able to get in and vote. And that's the only time I've ever voted with my parents, but they've still gone and done it. Now, you don't, you don't like, I mean, when it comes to schools, right, they don't really, they're not really teaching politics anymore. I mean, when it comes to politics, they're teaching, like, you know, world history and stuff like that. I, I think ninth graders still take government. Yeah, my daughter's in my daughter's in tenth grade now, and um, my oldest daughter, and and she really didn't learn a lot about like how the I mean they learned about how the government works, legislature and stuff like that, mm-hmm. Congress and and Senate, the differences and stuff like that. But they never really realized like they never really talked about the election system, and I, I'm wondering if these if these teachers are just assuming that these kids know, you know what I mean, that they have to register to vote, that they have to you know. Uh, certain the certain dates when when election seasons are you know what I mean like I wonder well, if they actually just assume that or I think not. the challenge is is that the the textbooks that they're using are a little bit more nas- you know geared nationally because every every state and certainly every local municipality has differences I mean just look here some of our um, towns have town elections some of them have town meeting so it's it's not uniform here enough so that they actually have to go out and gather all that information and create a lesson plan to be able to teach that outside of what would be in the textbook. And unfortunately, the way that teaching is geared now, you've got to teach what's in the textbook because you're going to teach what's on the MCAS. You know, what's funny is, um, I'll leave you with this. Um, I've taken up enough of your time, but uh, when, um, it's funny because when, when, when they started on, on, on um, unveiling all these, you know, um, climate laws and stuff like that. Oh, you know, we're banning plastic bags and we're going just straight paper bags and everything else, right? I looked at my wife. I looked at my wife and I said to her, hey, I said, uh, you know, that's actually a good thing because I said, that means we'll have some paper bags to cover these kids, the, 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 the textbooks, you know, and uh-huh. uh, when they go back to school. And she looked at me like I had, you know, five eyes popping out of my head. She goes, John, you realize that, you know, they, <laughs> everything's virtual now on on." and computer screens they don't have textbooks no more she goes i said i said oh my god i said they, they don't i said they don't no they don't do i'm like oh my god I'll, i don't I'll know get, if you remember that back in the day oh man. of course you and you would you would put like whatever band you were into you would draw their logo <laughs> on the front put some stickers on there yeah and then it would fall apart like two weeks later and be like it's been all that time drawing that man but well, i wanted to i always wanted to i always wanted the stretchy ones the ones that go you know like the, the, soft, the, re, the reusable soft ones yeah yeah like so those, all you could tell who had money, man, because they had they had those. When know? I was in sixth grade, my friend yeah. in my classroom, her parents owned the video store in town, and they were forever giving her like uh, book covers from different movies to bring in and give to everybody to, oh, to no, cover no. the books with. So I had like Bill and Ted book covers, Batman <laughs> book covers. It was so great because that was a big year oh, for movies, cool. you know. Oh, yeah. uh, so good. And, and a funny story just about textbooks. I'm actually going and doing a ghost hunt in Sandwich. Um, next week and the one of the places that i'm investigating is my former school from where i went in sixth grade and i got to go into my old classroom it's now abandoned and they took us into a a private area that we won't be able to investigate but just to kind of show us around and there stacked against the wall and on tables were all the old textbooks from when we went there i was like i was like that's my science book that's my english (laughs) book like these are and i'm like looking through to see if i can find my name in it from when it was assigned to me oh that's awesome that's cool so, all right, all right.
Thanks for the memories. Okay. Have a good day. And uh, we will take more of your calls, 508-996-0500. But right now, I've got to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. Hey, the weather's a little weird lately, right? I mean, we had some chilly days, some chilly mornings. Today, it's going to be up to like 80 degrees. It's up and down. So you might have been like, all right, well, I'm going to pull the air conditioners out. Well, now you wish that you hadn't. And then you're laying in bed and things are too warm and the fan isn't getting you done. But then you wake up in the morning and it's chilly. Ah, it's all You're all over the place. There's a good way that you can avoid having that problem. One of those ways is by getting a Whirly Beds mattress. They have double-sided flippable mattresses. They have cooling mattresses that are designed to maintain a neutral temperature while you sleep. These absorb your body heat and they keep you cool, and then they give you that heat back when you get cold. So you can either get a flippable mattress that, you know, you can say, hey, I want to have that cool side of the mattress tonight. Flip it over, put that fitted sheet back on it. Some of us, it's easier for us to do than others. But then also get yourself one of these cooling mattresses because how great does that sound? It's like the McDLT of mattresses. The hot stays hot, the cold stays cold. Some of you are too young to get that reference, but a lot of you will. And the best part about it, they're made right here in New Bedford. So you can see them being made. You can go into the Whirly Beds factory outlet showroom on Pope's Island in New Bedford, and you can say, hey, can I take a look at the back and see Manny making the mattresses? And they'll bring you back there and show you how they're made so that you know that there's quality materials going into your Whirly Beds mattress. And they will spend the time with you, Patrick, Martha, anybody on the team, they will spend the time with you to make sure that you are getting the perfect mattress for you. And and think about this, right? You might share your bed with someone else. You might have someone else who has a say in the mattress. That's okay. They'll make sure they get one that works for both of you. If you have more than two people sleeping in your bed, I don't know how to help you with that. But they will make sure that they get it customized for you. All you have to do is go in and talk to them at Whirly Beds Factory Outlet on Pope's Island in New Bedford. Or you can give them a call. Or you can visit them online at whirlybeds.com. But don't mess around with all these changing temperatures and not getting a comfortable night's sleep. Go and get one of those cooling mattresses and keep yourself cool when you need to be and keep yourself warm when you need to be with Whirly Beds Factory Outlet. All right, it is time to go back into the newsroom. We'll get all the headlines of the day from Ariel. When we come back on the other side, we'll talk more about the election results. 508-996-0500. If you want to call in and chime in, you can also send in your thoughts via app chat on the WBSM app, or you can send an open line voicemail on the WBSM app. And then don't forget, in the 8 o'clock hour, we're going to be joined by a special guest, a New Bedford resident who made her national TV debut last night as a contestant on The Voice. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Right now, though, let's go into the newsroom with Ariel. An election for the new Speaker of the House is set to be held next Wednesday. Members leaving the House GOP conference meeting said a candidate form for Speaker will be held next Tuesday with the election held the following day. Kevin McCarthy says he will not run again following the chamber's decision to remove him in a historic vote forced by Florida Congressman Matt Gates. 
Former House Speaker Newt Gingrich is calling on House Republicans to expel Congressman Gates. In an op-ed for The Washington Post Tuesday, Gingrich called Gates anti-Republican and claimed he was engaging in childish behavior and has become actively destructive to the conservative movement. North Carolina Congressman Patrick McHenry is now acting speaker until the new speaker election is held. Ford Motor Company and General Motors are laying off an additional 500 employees as the UAW strike continues. Ford is laying off 330 workers in Chicago and Lima, Ohio at their factories. 164 workers are being forloaded at its metal centers in Marion, Indiana and Parma, Ohio. The man accused of murdering rapper Tupac Shakur is expected to be arraigned today in Las Vegas. Authorities say Shakur was involved in a fight with Dwayne Davis outside a Mike Tyson fight in 1996 before Davis allegedly shot and killed Shakur at an intersection. After 27 years, Davis was arrested at his home in Henderson, Nevada last Friday. AstraZeneca will pay $425 million to settle lawsuits from people who had kidney damage from the company's Nexium and Prilosec heartburn medications. The UK-based drug maker said the settlement resolves cases currently in state and federal courts in New Jersey and Delaware. A case concerning the drugs and kidney damage is scheduled for federal court in Louisiana next April. An entire Air Force squadron is cut off from the bar because of what commanders called a pattern of irresponsible alcohol consumption by members of the unit. A memo sent this week to the 721st Aerial Port Squadron based out of Ramstein, Germany, said alcohol consumption outside of your dorm or residence is prohibited between the hours of midnight and 6 a.m. and also within eight hours of any shift. In sports, the Patriots are still confident in their starting quarterback. On Tuesday, offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien said that the views Mac Jones' recent performance against the Cowboys as an outlier. Jones was pulled from the game after being strip-sacked and intercepted twice in New England's 38-3 loss. Head coach Bill Belichick said after the game that Jones is still the team's top quarterback entering Week 5. The Pats host the New Orleans Saints on Sunday. The Bruins have dropped each of their last four straight preseason games after falling 5-4 to the Washington Capitals in overtime. Boston will close out its exhibition season when it visits the New York Rangers tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. The Celtics have started training camp. On Tuesday, Boston announced that it signed center Wenyan Gabriel, and the C's preseason opener is Sunday night against the Philadelphia 76ers. Now let's take a look at your local forecast with ABC6. Got everybody on this Wednesday, another cool start to the day with a patchy fog. This will give way to mostly sunny skies and temperature heading into the lower 80s for today. A little bit muggy out there overnight tonight, another cool night. And then for tomorrow, temperatures drop into the mid-70s, but with mostly sunny skies. Be sure to watch ABC6 for my full seven-day forecast. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Ariel Dorsey for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. 1420 WBSM, as crystal clear as FM. Stream us on the WBSM app.
First of all, I'm still living for the 90s, but, you know, whatever. And uh, it kind of is the Wild West when it comes to some of these election results. We're going to be talking more about those. You can read about them at WBSM.com or on the app. We've got it all broken down there for you. Bottom line is your mayoral race for 2023 is a redo of 2019. Incumbent Mayor John Mitchell will be once again running against challenger Richard Tyson Moultrie. Moultrie was the number two vote getter in the preliminary election yesterday. But taking a look at some of the numbers, and I did some of the math, because as I said, I'm not good at math, like looking at numbers and adding them up in my head. So I pulled out my calculator on my phone, and I did the the math here to figure it all out. Mayor Mitchell finished, in, and again, I will put out that caveat, there was only a 6.1% voter turnout yesterday for this preliminary election with beautiful weather. Certainly on WBSM, plenty of advanced discussion about it. Certainly plenty of coverage in the New Bedford light. Even plenty of coverage on the South Coast today in the Standard Times. You know, the, the local reporters that they do have over there are doing the best that they can. And they had lots of great coverage and candidate profiles and everything. So there was, the word was out there. Mayor Mitchell finished with 2,544 votes in the preliminary election. The rest of the field, the other five challengers running for mayor, had a combined 1,129 votes. So Mayor Mitchell more than doubled what all of the other candidates combined got. So how do you look at that? You look at that as saying that the Mayor Mitchell versus anybody but Mayor Mitchell crowd was two to one. Mayor Mitchell, two to one over the people that don't want him in office. So that's that's pretty pretty resounding to say that, you know, he'll it can win re-election handily. But again, 6% of the vote. 6% of the, of the voter turnout. Sorry, 6% voter turnout. 6% of the total registered voters in the city. So the final election could be different. But Tyson Moultrie has some work to do in the next month or so to try to galvanize the anybody but Mayor Mitchell group because I don't know that everybody that voted for Nathan Almeida Michael Jansen, Ryan Duart, or Xavier Cardona would be voting for Tyson Moultrie in that election. So it's it's not even really fair to say the anybody but Mitchells versus the, the Mitchell crowd. And also, we remember what happened in 2019. I went over it a little bit this morning. And I'd like to think, and I'm not saying Tyson Moultrie is the same guy. Lessons learned. You become more politically savvy with a couple of campaigns under you. You become more politically savvy talking to more people in the city. Uh, someone reached out to me yesterday. We were just talking about other things and says that he has coffee with Tyson Moultrie and that he finds him to be a very, you know, a very interesting person and a very good thinker and someone who has a lot of great ideas. So if he handles things a little differently than he did last time. Maybe he can win a lot of people over. I, I don't think showing up at the radio station because you don't like what they're saying about you on air and then asking to go on the air is the best strategy. 
but it got him a lot of attention when he did it. And then he used that attention to accuse Mayor Mitchell of corruption without any basis for that. So just, that's going to be the first question I would have for Tyson Moultrie now going up against Mayor Mitchell. Do you still feel that that's the case? The accusation that you made was kind of based on a, on a total of $450 in donations from Parallel Products VP Tim Cusson in two elections that happened before Parallel Products was even looking to build that facility when Mayor Mitchell was against Parallel Products coming into the city. You are looking at $450 and saying that the, the, the mayor was selling out the city for that campaign contribution. Or unless you think that there was going to be some other quid pro quo down the line, but he didn't really offer any of that. He just said, well, people are saying, this is what people are telling me. So I'm hoping that that's not the strategy that he takes this time around. So, and then that's the case. And then you have the five incumbent counselors at large. They are going to move on to the general election. Uh, The challengers to them will be Ward 5 Counselor Scott Lima, who is now running for an at-large position. Devin Burns, Bruce Duart, former counselor and former council president, uh, Gilmy Santiago, Carmen Amaral, and then we're waiting to find out if Carmen Amaral is indeed withdrawing from the race as she posted to her Facebook page back on September 4th. Uh, but Manny DeBrito told the reporters uh, yesterday, I know that uh, Pete Raley had mentioned it on New Bedford Cable News, that she had not formally withdrawn. So right now she is the 10th person in that race and if she doesn't i don't know if that means that the 11th person automatically goes in i think so and that would be joyce rowley and then in ward five that seat that will become open because scott lima is not seeking re-election joe lopes the former ward six counselor and multi-term council president he got 666 votes yes it got that reaction at city hall too and then zach boyer was second with 377 so it'll be lopes and boyer squaring off for Ward 5. We already know that Ward 1 will be contested, that uh, Brad Markey is running for re-election, but Leo Choquette is running against him, and that was a very close race last time between the two gentlemen. So, uh, And I've seen a lot of signs and support for Leo, so that'll be an interesting one to watch as well. Uh, The rest of the Ward races, Ward 2, Ward 3, Ward 4, and Ward 6, no contest there. All the incumbents are running unopposed. Uh, school committee, there are three open seats, well, three seats that are um, in the mix this year. That's the seat of Chris Cotter, Jack Livermento, and Bruce Oliveira. All three of them are running unopposed, as is the one uncontested candidate for assess- assessor, Marty Treadup. So really, your intrigue heading into the general election, the mayoral race, the at-large race, of course, the two kind of headline races, because uh, those are the citywide races, then also Ward 1, Ward 5, and that's it. The rest you'll just be filling in the names that say incumbent or not filling them in depending on what you choose. I saw that we had a caller on there, but caller, I just had to give that breakdown for people that were just catching in. Feel free to call back 508-996-0500. I'm going to take a break now. We'll be back in a few moments. And we're going to go right back to the phones. 508-996-0500. You are next on WBSM. Yes, good morning. How you doing? Uh, last week, uh, Devin Burns was on. He, he owns the uh, soup restaurant. Yep, Destination Union. Soups, yep. Yeah, and uh, he, he was on uh, South Coast Now. 
how did he do on the voting? So he came in seventh in the voting. So he will be on the on the final ballot in November. And but let me just give you the numbers because it was close. So the number five vote. Well, let me let me just go over the top the top uh, for the at large. Ian Abreu topped the votes, two thousand sixty seven. Shane Burgo came in number two, seventeen eleven. Brian Gomes fifteen twenty seven. Linda Morad fourteen forty seven. Naomi Carney fourteen thirty four. Then Scott Lima, running for an at-large position, came in sixth at 1386. And then Devin Burns was seventh at 1170. So, And then Bruce Stewart was next. He had 873. So I think it shows that Scott Lima and Devin Burns both could be a serious challenger to some of those incumbents that were very close to them being, you know, Councillor Gomes, Councillor Morad, and Councillor Carney. So, so uh, what ward would they represent? Uh, Devin Burns, that's, that's, would he represent? That's the at-large race, so that would oh, be citywide. Yes, the only the only um, ward races that are going to be contested are Ward Five because Councilor Lima's not running for re-election there. So Joe Lopes is going to face off against Zach Boyer in Ward Five, and then in Ward One, Brad Markey is facing off against Leo Charquette. Yeah, I voted for uh, Devin because I thought he was very smart for a fellow that was uh, on the air. He he was uh, very good. Yeah, he's 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 a he's a very beloved guy in the city. Everybody yeah. knows he's a great businessman. Uh, he cares a lot about the city, and I think he would be somebody that would be a great counselor. But basically, you have to say now, if you want him or if you want Scott Lima or any of these other folks that are close in the votes, you've got to decide which one of the incumbents you'd like to see them replace. So I, w- I was very surprised when I went to vote. Uh, uh, you know, we went three people together. Instead of, you know, all goes individually, and we were the only ones there. And that was in the afternoon, too, right after lunch at 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So, like uh, say, 6%, 6.1%. 6.1% voter turnout for this, which was down from the last preliminary election, which was 10, uh, almost 11%. So, n- not a great sign. No, it wasn't. No, that's... You know, uh, they were talking about, you know, someday... When we vote, that should be a national holiday. The, the argument, though, to that, the, the counter-argument to that is if you make it a holiday, then people are going to go and do things, and they're not going to go and vote. They're going to go and go to Six Flags instead. Yeah, well, if, you, uh, if, if where you went and vote, if they sign you off, that means your, your employer wouldn't have to pay you because you, you, you didn't vote. Oh, well, I, don't I, know if, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if we could do that. But no, I'll tell I know, but you, you might have missed, missed it earlier. I was reading a text from somebody that they sent me. They went and voted in 2B. So they voted at Alma Del Mar at 6 p.m. And at 6 p.m., they were only the, let me get the exact numbers for you because it's shockingly low. Uh, at 6 p.m., they were only the... 14th person to vote and six of those votes were absentee. So at 6 p.m. after it pulls it open at what? 8 a.m., 7 a.m., 8 a.m.? Only eight people had showed up to vote in person in Ward 2 in oh Precinct God, 2B. That's awful. Yeah. That, that's awful. Now granted, there's there's no challenger to the Ward 2 counselor, but that just gives you a rough idea of, you know, with the mayoral race and the at-large race being on there, how many people went out and bothered to vote. Uh, Tim, did you... You know, when when they had the last mayoral election, uh, you know, the mayor that we have now and the fellow that's going to run against them that got the high votes, mm-hmm. do you know what the uh, what the outcome of that was in, in 2019? I do. Give me one second and I'll tell oh, yeah, you that. I'd like to, you, 
I have that handy. Give me one moment. Uh, so I know that uh, Mayor Mitchell was reelected then by a three to one margin. He had something like 76 percent. Let me give you the exact numbers here. OK, so in 2019, Mayor Mitchell got six thousand seven hundred seventy eight votes for 72 percent. Moultrie had two thousand four hundred eighty three votes for twenty six point four percent. So it was seventy two percent to twenty six percent. So uh, I didn't vote for the mayor uh, the other day. I, I've been upset with him over that parallel products problem. Mm-hmm. So I voted for uh, Jansen because I knew who he was because he calls a lot on the on the on the radio yep. and a he's lot run, of things he's run that quite he a says. Bit. He, they're right there. He's not a he's a smart man, but I, I'm not. I'm disenchanted with the mayor. And according to you know my math here, taking a look at these numbers. Uh, and again, this is just with 6% voter turnout, but Mayor Mitchell pulled in 2,544 votes. The rest of the field tallied only 1,129. So Mayor Mitchell more than doubled the vote yesterday compared to anybody that isn't Mayor Mitchell. So I, I don't know if that's how it'll play out in the general, but it just gives you a, a, a thumbnail sketch. Well, they, they're going to be careful with this, uh, this uh, problem with the uh, parallel products. Because uh, I talk to people where I live, and they definitely don't want any of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, this could this, that could be one of the deciding factors in this election, but for you sure. Know, uh, where we live, we want to improve our environment. We, we don't want to uh, be de- detrimental to all the people that live here. Mm-hmm. That's my opinion. All right. Well, uh, I we care how much uh, I don't care how much tax money they're going to give the city of New Bedford. Who cares? So that, that's how I feel, Tim. All right. Well, we uh, we will note that down, and we will look forward to hearing more from you as we get closer to the election. Yes, you will. All right. You have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. And if you want to call in and be heard, 508-996-0500 right now, though, I've got to take my final break of this hour. All right. That'll about do it for this hour. When we come back on the other side of the news, we should be joined by a special guest. Uh, joining us will be a New Bedford resident who made her TV debut, national TV debut last night. I think so. She's been on anything else nationally, but she's interna- internationally known as a performer, recording artist. Uh, you've probably seen her a number of times playing around here, but she goes and she plays out in L.A. She played the Whiskey A Go-Go. She's been to all kinds of legendary venues and played with legendary performers. Last night, she was on The Voice, and she's going to join us to talk about that coming up on the other side of the news. I actually sang and performed one of my favorite songs of all time, a song that I actually just got into a little argument with somebody online last week, defending as being one of the greatest rock songs of all time, whereas this person thought it was one of the worst. I was like, you are so wrong. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.